everyone. Welcome back to Design Uncensored. My name is Stella Guan. I'm the founder and CEO of Path Unbound, an online design school helping students uh, realize their dream of becoming a professional designer in the UI UX product design world. So uh, today we're back with another episode. And this episode is very real because we've been talking about a lot of things that um, might be more positive and more, you know, um, with a lot of advice, uh, how you get into the industry. And, and actually, because our show is called Design Uncensored, uh, sometimes we want to talk about things that are a little bit probably downtrodden, but it's very real that all of, um, you know, designers need to know if you're uh, going to go into this industry. So welcome back, Carrie, uh, for another episode. We thank you so much for your um, you know, passionate uh, feedback and advice uh, uh, for junior designers. So today we're actually going to talk about the realities of, of product design and why some product designers are ashamed of what they do. Not all the time, but sometimes. So Carrie, can you tell us uh, why that is the case that sometimes des designers are ashamed of what they have to do? Yeah, I, I think it might be... Um... So before I even go on to that, I want to kind of have like highlight a story on like Google, right? When they updated their Gmail system and people got on them for having like three different shades of blue with the button, with, you know, the highlighting, um, with the actual email emailing tab section as well. And someone on Twitter made this comment that there's like probably 300 product designers working on this one app and no one didn't think to stop. I mean, stop and think about this. And I just noticed that it's so easy to like ridicule companies all the time for this stuff. But inside of the companies, you have people that are getting pushback from the product and all these other teams that's saying, oh, we're going to focus on this and completely neglect user experience. So I think it's a couple of different things that, you know, people are not happy about the work that they're shipping right and the stuff that they're working on. People might have nothing to show for it because they haven't shipped anything due to the state of affairs at their company. Some people, um, and I've been through this situation, might be embarrassed to work in this industry because it's not inclusive. It's not an industry that is empathetic at all. And it is something that, you know, yeah, just because I have the title doesn't mean that I'm completely happy with where I'm at, right? Because there's a bigger picture. Some people are completely burnt out as well. Um, with those facts. So it's like all these different things to consider on why someone would be kind of embarrassed to work for a certain company or work for a certain organization when they know some of the stuff that they're doing might not be beneficial to the end user or the end goal of what they actually believe in. Yeah, definitely. I personally, uh, when I worked at uh, big companies, I've had similar experience as well. And it's it could be anything that you encounter that makes you feel like wow why am I doing this why am I uh doing something that I'm not even proud of or sometimes if you sign an NDA you actually can't show anything and possibly not even talk about it uh, in your interview not to mention showing anything um so then uh, as creative professionals um when we are in those type of contracts in those type of scenarios we feel like so we did this for nothing we all we got in return is a paycheck uh, and and sometimes that's that's very true because we have to understand if you work for a company as staff full-time and sometimes even contractor then you work for hire and yes the only thing that you're probably going to take away with it um, in addition to obviously valuable connections is your paycheck and 
Um, hopefully that's not all the time that you're all taking away with, but uh, it, you know, there is probably a balance uh, that, you know, you might have to be okay with if you were to, you know, uh, want to work in this, uh, in this industry. So um, tell us a little bit about what you think people think the ideal world of, of design, um, it, it looks like. Uh, what, what's some of the common ideals when people are new to the industry? What, what do they think will happen? I think they probably imagine, um, and, and actually I've had a couple of conversations with folks, and I even thought this too, that you're probably working inside of like an embedded design team. You are working through a, you know, full end-to-end -end experience, you know, doing sticky notes and all of that, you know, um, working happily, your work easily gets shipped. You are a person that can make like high-level decisions on something, right, and make things better for people. Um, and I think what a lot of people really genuinely think is probably just the end-to-end -end experience, probably that we are going to be synthesizing data and doing research and all these other different things. And depending on organization, uh, I think even at like a lot of well-known companies, that's not how it works due to the, you know, last podcast that we had about what a product designer actually yeah. does, right? And different problem spaces is not how it necessarily works at all. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, it, it's common to think what you're taught, obviously, um, you know, in a school and a boot camp that, oh, wow, this is so cool. We're getting paid a lot. We're doing creative stuff. We're, you know, shipping cool products that everybody's going to use. Um, yeah, roughly, but not, but not a hundred percent. And the other stuff can often, um, weigh you down. And can you speak to your personal experience, you know, a little bit, what type of compromises have you had to, had to make, um, as a product designer? Yeah. Um, compromises on listening to people that might want something um, that, that might want a small win due to like a large constraints by developers that just seem really inessential to me at the time, but marketing or someone in branding or someone in another area um, that was really like high level wanted it. I think there was other um, different trade-offs where we had to skip certain things of talking to actual customers and actual people just to get it out there because there was a short timeline or something, yeah. you know, like those were, yeah, those were the kind of, um, trade-offs I had to make, or you might work with someone, um, that's in a certain environment, like a B2B environment or working on like a really complex product. And they might tell you that, oh, something like Twitter can be really good, but, when it comes to this product, you know, it can be bad on purpose because that's what B2B is supposed to be. And I saw this, matter of fact, Stella, I want to say this. I saw this interesting LinkedIn post. Um, and I think this person was kind of off with it, but they were saying, he was saying like, why are B2B products so bad, right? And he's, and then he kind of brought up these things on like testing with users, but I think he wasn't looking at the bigger picture and I wish he would have said, oh, you know, a lot of times developers are working on them first for a long time and the design team comes way afterwards. So now the design team has to work with developers that are stuck in this way of working and there's a bunch of constraints, you know what I mean? So the design team really can't make that much effect of impact. So when you think of Workday, for example, that thing completely sucks. And I know folks are saying, oh, Workday is building up a design team. No, it seems like they're trying to get there. But yeah, it's going to take them years to get there. And that's what a yeah. lot of people really need to understand. So these are some of the kind of trade-offs and kind of some kind of, you know, some of the compromises and harsh realities that you need to make as, as a product designer. 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you bringing up the, the fact that B2B, you know, has sort of a, a long cycle of everything, like they have a long cycle of sales, they have a long cycle of um, design and development. And I think, um, you know, probably this distinction B2C versus uh, B2B, um, it, it's probably not uh, what a lot of uh, job candidates think of, um, you know, when they apply, because obviously any job is better than no job. Um, but as you, you know, as you get your foot in the door, you have more selections, um, then the next time you apply, maybe think about, you know, what kind of environment do you prefer to work in? Like, are you okay with not seeing through the result? Um, if you are that, you know, you, you think that, okay, I can show what I contributed in a segmented way. Uh, B2B might be fine because you probably will never see it, you know, in your tenure, unless you stay with the company for 20, 30 years. Um, but then if you really need to see that, okay, this is going to be pushed out to millions of people, consumers, then, then B2C or even D2C, you know, might be a better choice for you when you have more leverage in the job market. Um, and I know you, sh you shared with me a, uh, a really interesting um, illustration um, and post from LinkedIn that outlines a lot of um, really real observations of someone uh, from someone who talks about um, how the reality is in the product design industry. And um, you, uh, you know, one illustration, it, it's, it's really funny and, and even sad. Um, and it's basically talking about how designers need to concede to stakeholders, um, you know, while, while you work, you know, on your job. And I guess the point we want to discuss is how do we choose which battles we want to fight? How, how do you choose which battles you want to fight? <laughs> 